Human, have you ever been to hell? I think not. Did you know that once hell was nothing more than the absence of God? And if he'd ever been in his presence, then you'd realize that's punishment enough. But then your kind came along and made it so much worse. Humans aren't capable of 100 the evil a shitbag demon like you is. Evil is an abstract! It's a human construct! But true to his irresponsible nature, man won't own up to being its engineer, so he blames his dark deeds on my ilk. But it's not enough to shadow his own existence, no. He turned hell into a suffering pit. And why? Because it is beyond your abilities to simply make personal recompense for the sins you commit. No, you choose rather to create a psychodrama and dwell in a foulness belief that God could never forgive your grievous offenses. So you bring your guilt and your inner decay with you to hell where the horrid imaginations of so many gluttons for punishment gave birth to the sickness that has infected the abyss since the first one of your kind arrived there, begging to be punished. And in doing so, they've transformed the cold and solitude to pain and misery. I've spent eons privy to the flames, inhaling the decay, hearing the wail of the damned. I know what effect such horrors have on the delicate psyche of an angelic being. I'd rather not exist than go back to that. Radio Drone. Woe to you, O Earth and Sea, for the devil... No, I'm not even going to do all that. Hey, it's Radio Drome. I'm Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is Peter the Gogic. Yes, and uh, my name... You know what my name spells uh, backwards, right? Well, it's, it's Retep. It's not Satan, but that could be demonic. Retep is kind of neat, though. Yeah, it is pretty neat. So, all right, tonight we'll be... You know, that's a hint of what we'll be talking about tonight and probably read the title above this episode. But still, before that, you guys, if you want some devil in the bedroom, go to adamandeve.com. You know what? I feel really bad about that segue. But that was, I'm, I'm uh, leave let's it see. Anyway. We, we could probably could have said something about possession and then you could have said, if you want something inside of you. There you go. You go to <laughs> adamandeve.com. <laughs> Use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, free U.S. shipping, a sex swing, and three free DVDs using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. So tonight we're going to be talking about devil demon movies. And initially it was just going to be devil movies, but then there are so many great demon movies or, you know, supernatural movies that would qualify but maybe aren't religious-y kind of in, that, in, in the same devil demon kind of way. Now I want to leave out 
straight supernatural. No vampires, no werewolves, no anything like that. I want it to be. No, no, we're, we're going straight up cults, demons, and devil stuff. Yes. When when you think of a devil movie, I think I don't even need to ask you what you think of because everybody thinks of The Exorcist. Leaving aside The Exorcist, what would be your go-to devil demon movie? I'd go with Hellraiser if I'm not going to go with Exorcist. I mean, it's, it's literally got hell in the title. I mean, oh. I know it's a different – I mean, Clive Barker considers it to be a different kind of hell it's, than it's the It's not actual. the Christian hell. It's not the Christian hell, but it, it's still very demonic and devilish, and it's it's very much rooted in in the sins of man and uh, getting the repercussions from that. Like like the first one, the first Hellraiser film is, is very much that sort of that that sort of theme. Like like sinners very much getting. Uh, Getting their comeuppance, uh, for living very, very dastardly lives and then they get, uh, punished by the, by the Cenobites in very demonic, devilish sorts of ways and it's very, it's incredibly gothic. I would, I would consider that. That would be one of the, one of the first things I think of when it comes to sort of devil, demonic sorts of stuff. I'd, I'd go with Hellraiser. See, I'm gonna go sort of the opposite direction and go with a more weirdly scientific and physics based demon. And that would be Prince of Darkness, which, mm. was, which was basically trying to answer, and John Carpenter is very open about this, using quantum physics to explain the devil. And I think that's fascinating as hell. And that's definitely a devil movie. I mean, I, I it heavily implies it, but I'm pretty sure that's that's Satan trying to get into to our world from hell or whatever nether realm he's in. But I'm I'm fairly certain that those hooves we see at the end are meant to be the Satan's hooves. Well, and but weirdly enough, the one thing about Prince of Darkness is they never say this. They heavily imply that the devil might actually be an alien from another mm-hmm. galaxy. I don't know if that would technically then disqualify it. I don't think it does. I mean, I, I think it's just taking a new sort of spin on it. It's like, what could the... Could the devil be an alien? Could the devil be a demon? Um, what is hell really? What realm does it belong in? Like an alternate reality? It's, it's, it can't always just be a, a fiery pit below. Like it could very well be the other side of, of existence or whatever. And I, I think Prince of Darkness did a really interesting spin on that while still being very cult-like and very demonic with, with a lot of, uh, possession kind of stuff. Um, I think that's, that's a very good example of, of a sort of devil, demon type movie for sure now there there are two quote classic devil movies that i just have never been able to get into in fact i like the sequels to both of these movies better than the originals be rosemary's baby and the omen the original obviously mm. rosemary's baby now f- first of all roman polanski uh, yeah he he's a piece of shit so right there that that's an issue rosemary's baby everyone i remember because you know this one came out before i was born so i remember growing up hearing about this and you know when it would finally came on tv and i was old enough my dad allowed me to watch it and i was bored out of my god damn mind peter this i've tried to watch so that one slow i agree i've tried to watch it lots of times and there's everybody that talks about it as this like classic and it's all about mood and all this stuff and then look i get i get mood i understand atmosphere i get that there's that, that horror movies work really well on this level but it is it's absolutely boring the characters are wooden i never really get any sense of tension and that that scene at the end with the baby and the yellow eyes and stuff it just it's hokey 
It's a hokey film. I, I will disagree on, I think you said that you didn't really like the first Omen. I did like the, the first Omen and a lot of the sequels, but I think as far as Rosemary's Baby goes, I don't know. I don't see it. I mean, I know it's, it's considered like objectively this like amazing film, but a lot of people are ignoring the fact that Roman Polanski's a scumbag and they're also ignoring the fact that it's, God, it's boring. It's a boring movie to sit through. It is. No. In a weird way, and maybe this is just because of the age I saw it at, I liked whatever happened to Rosemary's Baby better. You know, the movie that's considered blasphemy for even being a sequel to Rosemary's Baby. I enjoyed (laughs) that one way more. I don't even know if I've seen that one. I didn't know that Rosemary's Baby had a sequel. It did. I actually saw it on Monster Vision for the first time. So Joe Bob showed me that. (laughs) But then, like, with The Omen, I don't know, The Omen... Anyone who's listened to the show for any length of time knows I like a slower, more moody film that with a build-up to the action. And The Omen just never seems to grab me. It just always just seems to plod along. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Omen 2 and Omen 3, I really enjoyed those a lot. Omen 4 Which one had, barely um, counts. Which one had the one with Sam Neill as a grown-up uh, Damien and he's like a politician? That was three. Two is the one with the pane of glass that cuts the guy's head off. Oh, I love and then that. And it rolls down the street. Rat, Woman 2 is awesome. And and three even is good. I love um Sam Neill's performance as uh, adult Damien. And four, four was a freaking Fox TV movie. Does, does that even <laughs> really count at this point? I mean, I know. Which it, one it, had uh, Lance Henriksen in it? Is that three? Two? I, I think he was in two, but don't quote hmm. me on that. He might be in three. He might have been in three as like an agent or something working for Sam Neill. It's been a while since I've marathoned all three. Oh, but I, I haven't t- seen any of them since they, since yeah. the early 80s, late 80s, whenever they were new. I yeah. really like elements of, of two and three, and I enjoy the, the first one, but I do think the sequels are superior. And at some point we should probably do a retro on that because yeah, there, there are four so. original, there are four original movies, the remake and a TV pilot. Oh God, the remake. Well, now what about, and I, I can't speak for the entire franchise because I've never seen past part two. I know there are five movies in the prophecy franchise. I did really enjoy prophecy one and two, but for some reason, I never got around to three, four, and five. Wasn't like Glenn Danzig in one of them? Danzig was in two and he gets killed like 30 seconds into it. Yeah. Into, it, into it, it and you just kind of go, well, that was pointless. And he's, he's in like heavily in makeup and he's wearing like a trench coat. Like he, uh, he doesn't he's, really... he's the Archangel Samuel. Which, which could have been a pretty big role, but I don't know. He, he doesn't seem like he wants to act, but I remember the first prophecy is really good. That's a, that's a good movie. I, I don't the think the second one being pretty good too. Was, like clips here and there. Well, right before we recorded this, to refresh my memory a little bit, I went and watched a bunch of trailers for some of these. And again, I have not seen three, four, or five. Three, Christopher Walken has one of the worst old man, long gray hair wigs I've seen in a long time. And that just made me go, (laughs) really? Oh, no. We're doing this? I mean, like I said, I remember them being good, but not enough to make me go, I want to keep watching these. I want to see the sequels. I I thought the first one was cool, but yeah, the the sequels are kind of... They, they seemed a bit pointless. Um, I saw a bit of the second one. I saw obviously the clip with, with Danzig because why wouldn't I watch that? But the first one had, had a very interesting vibe to it and it kind of, it seemed to paint the devil as more of a, more of a sympathetic character, which I thought was interesting. Well, it's, that's because it was that. Viggo Mortensen cool. as the devil. Yeah, Viggo Mortensen. You can't really go wrong that. And he was actually excellent in that role. He was actually really good. Well, let's look at the psychology of some of this. Why do you think 
devil demon movies. Now, for some reason, there were way more of these in the 70s than any other decade. And oh, I and think there's that, big, there's a big reason for that too. Well, I, I, it was, it was absolutely cultural because, yeah. the, you know, the culture was changing. We, we had finished the sixties. The hippie movement was dying out, but was still around. You had the church reasserting its dominance over mm. society and adding more dictates. You had the Catholic church rising and becoming more powerful. And I think there was a weird cultural pushback because remember, yeah. especially Pete, remember, especially with horror films, I don't want to say as much as any other genre because I think sci-fi does it as well, but horror and sci-fi movies seem to always be a reflection. It doesn't matter when they take place. They are a reflection of when they are made. And I think there were so many demon devil movies in the seventies and early eighties because you had the religious right becoming more and more powerful. And then in 1980, when you had Reagan take over, remember, it's morning in America, the moral majority. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the early 80s movies especially were a huge pushback against that whole religious right thing. Oh, absolutely. It was – um it was sort of playing to people's fear of demonic stuff. You even had – um sort of like, like movies that were even like you you had what was it mazes and monsters with with tom hanks that was depicting dungeons and dragons as like as like a demonic satanic ritualistic kind of thing like there was this this fear from the right that uh devil worship and satanic stuff and just as devil stuff in general was was evil and like the folly of mankind and stuff so you had these movies that were very much a they were very much painting the the time and uh, what people were afraid of at the time and at, at the time it was like devil shit because a lot of people were were religious and of the the christian right so it was the perfect time to make movies like this because you're going to scare the shit out of a lot of people i mean in the 80s you had the satanic panic where dungeons and dragons is satanic heavy yeah. music is satanic every video games are satanic the teenage mutant ninja turtles are satanic everything was a beacon of satan you know <laughs> yes. he-man was satanic scooby-doo was called satanic when they did the how 13th- the hell was he-man satanic he-man was so like pure because Skeletor is a pure demon. But he's the bad guy. They don't get nuance, dude. So, he's considered the bad guy. He's the guy that's against family values and shit. Like, come on. And, and then I think Christian after... Christian writers, a bunch of bonkers, bonkers motherfuckers. Well, and then after the 80s, I think it was just all those people that grew up watching these cool devil demon movies were like, I want to make a new one of those. They obviously varied in quality. I mean, sometimes you have stuff like Bava's Demons. The two movies, which aren't so much religious style demons. I think they're more just literal demon demons, but they had that, those movies have a very heavy metal style to them. Yes, that's, it's very much heavy metal demony. Those are more culturally relevant to like the, the sort of more, um, demonic related heavy metal that was coming out. You, you had a lot of, um, bands like, like Slayer and, and King Diamond, or at that time he was probably still Merciful Fate, but you had a whole bunch of stuff like that. Black Sabbath and all these bands that were sort of religious slash satanic influence. So you had, you had it spilling over into movies, which I thought was a great little subgenre. I love, um, Bava and Argento's, uh, Demons and, and Demons 2. And movies like that where you just have like, like demon devil monster things and it doesn't necessarily have a religious connotation to it. It's just 
got a, a great heavy metal aesthetic to it. The way I no, I remember the first time I saw Demons. Uh, I saw it on VHS. I'm I'm like, this is an Iron Maiden album cover come to life. Yes. Or a Slayer music video or something. Yes. And, and I actually think, I can't remember if it's Demons 1 or Demons 2. One of them has an Iron Maiden song on the soundtrack. It might even be both. I think it's two. Because okay. one, one had a lot of Accept and Saxon and stuff like that. I'm not sure if the first one had Maiden. It, I mean, it, it had a whole, like, full rock and heavy metal soundtrack. So it's very possible. Well, then you also have stuff that's just you know, influence or, or, or plays in the realm of the religious era or religious style demon. I'm going to bitch about this movie, but I also love this movie. 2005's mm. Constantine, because mm. I think it's a fantastic movie. I think it's a great movie. It's a great devil demon movie. But what pisses me off is it's not a Constantine movie in any conceivable way. They no. changed like <laughs> 85% from the comics. So I'm angry as a comic fan because whatever that is, that ain't Constantine. But also, it's a really good movie that just should it's not have been called Constantine. Movie, yeah. It's just not a very good adaptation of the comics. Like anybody who, who reads this character, the, the character of John Constantine and, and the, the books that he shows up in and everything, it's, it's not that character. It's very different. Like Keanu Reeves is the furthest thing from Constantine as a character for one. Like Constantine is, is a cockney, blonde, you know, British foul-mouthed heavy drinking dude. Um, he's, he's the furthest thing from, you know, smooth, uh, a smooth, mild-mannered Keanu, but it's still a really good movie, and it has a lot of great demonic and devilish sort of visuals done in a really interesting, uh, stylistic kind of way. I, I feel like it's it's what the '90s Spawn should have looked and felt like. Indeed, but then what about? Let's go back to the '70s. What about something like The Devil's Reign with mm. Ernest Borgnine as the as the? Well, I don't know if they ever say he's the devil, but he's definitely a demon. Devil's Reign is a fantastic movie. I is that love that film. William Shatner, Tom Skerritt, Keenan Wynn, John Travolta has a small role in it. It was his first movie, but he doesn't even have any dialogue in it. Yeah, that's a really like uh, groovy of its time sort of. Uh, that was a, that was the seventies, right? Seventy five year I was born. That, was, that one really shows its time. It really has that like <laughs> like. Uh, just this mid mid seventies devil worshipping cult kind of stuff. It it has has a lot of great color and it has a great vibe to it. It also kind of predicts what the Michael Myers mask was gonna look like because at one point Shatner gets his like eyes gouged out or something and his skin is really pale and he looks like the Myers mask. And see before the Myers mask was even created in uh seventy eight. And you know what I find the weirdest about Devil's Reign? It's a William Shatner Ernest Borgnine movie. And, <laughs> and, and and William Shatner is the main character. He's the top build. Yeah. He he doesn't save the day. Tom Skerritt's actually the hero, but Tom Skerritt wasn't a name at the time. So I, mm -hmm. I always hate when, oh, William Shatner's so great. It's like, okay, no, Shatner is fine in it. But Tom Skerritt's the hero, guys. <laughs> you want to give credit where credit's due? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, that was, uh, you're not going to be able to sell it using Tom Skerritt's name. You're going to be able to sell it using Captain Kirk's name. But, but yeah, I absolutely agree. It's, it's a Tom Skerritt vehicle and it's, it's a really good movie. It's a really fun, definitely a time capsule of its, of its era of, of that kind of devil cult type movie. What about also from 1975, Race with the Devil? I don't know if I've seen that one. Oh, Race with the Devil. Okay, not, it's not a remake, but Drive Angry owes a lot to Race from Race with the Devil, man. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Now I gotta see it. And, well, speaking of, 
I know we're jumping all over the timeline here, but Drive Angry. I loved this movie, and I didn't want to. I, did, I didn't That's even. I didn't even want to see it. Almost nobody saw that movie too. It's it's definitely a modern cult film. Well, you, the reason was they screwed the marketing on that movie up so bad. The, the, there were three trailers for Drive Angry. I, and I had to refresh my memory on this because I'm like, no, they couldn't have screwed it up this bad. Now, remember, the Fast and the Furious movies were huge at this time. The first two of the three trailers never even hint at a supernatural, that this is a supernatural movie at all. They make it look like it's a Fast and the Furious movie. And oh, I remember when I saw did. the trailer, I don't I don't remember what movie it was before. I saw the trailer in the theater and I'm just like, oh, so Nick Cage is in a Fast and the Furious knockoff, whatever. It wasn't until the third trailer where I'm like, wait a minute, this is a, uh, this is a supernatural film i think <laughs> that hurt the movie more than anything it because did. It they did sold too. it as a fast and the furious knockoff instead of what it was so people who went to see it thinking it was a fast and the furious style movie were disappointed and yeah. the people who would have gone to see it because it's a supernatural revenge flick didn't go see it because it was advertised as a fast and the furious film and this was um because nicholas cage had, had at this point i think already done two ghostwriter movies right He's already done one. at least the first one. I don't know yeah. about the second one. And this one, like, like Drive Angry, I think would count as his legitimate Ghost Rider movie. Like, this is what Ghost Rider should have been in in terms of tone, in terms of of violence and style. Like, th- this was a really, really good movie with a lot of great performances, not only from Nicolas Cage, but everybody in it performed amazingly. Like, this it, is it, actually this, hmm? everyone calls this a Nicolas Cage movie. Uh, uh-uh. uh, Fickner steals this movie. Yes. Without a doubt, Fickner steals this movie from Nicolas Cage. And do you know how hard that is? <laughs> Especially when Cage brings his uh, A-game, which he which he did for this movie. There's also a different side. Now, this went all through the 70s and 80s, well, and even before that. There was a few in the 60s and even in the 50s. Do you remember the comedic devil movies? Like Bedazzled, The Devil and Max Devlin, Oh God, You Devil. Little Nicky. Ugh, don't remind me. <laughs> Popeye's chicken. What was they, it? They, they had their place. It was at a it was at a point where you know metal was kind of looked at as a joke. The whole devil church of Satan thing was looked at as is kind of funny. Everything was almost a parody of itself. So you might as well just make little little lampoony lampoony movies. Let's go all the way back to 1922, which would arguably, I mean, I, I'm, there might be another silent film before this, but arguably the first devil demon movie, Haxon. Have you ever watched Haxon? No. Okay, obviously it's a silent film. This film is creepy as hell. I can't, Im- I can't imagine what 1922 audiences <laughs> thought of Haxon, man. Oh, jeez. Haxon is the one that started it all, and it started it right. I'll have to check this one out because I, I like a lot of those old um silent era horror films. There's something about their their atmosphere that are that's unsettling. There, there's also uh, they did a re-release. Uh, I want to say earlier late '80s where they added music and everything. Mm to it so there there are a couple of different releases but i remember mm. seeing the silent version of this and was like man this must have creeped people the fuck out in 1922 i'm sure it did i'm sure there's a there's a lot of movies back then that was like because it was really like game-changing stuff you didn't see that those kinds of uh, visuals and films no i mean and i i know i said let's leave vampires out and i don't consider them demon can you imagine what seeing nosferatu would have been like back then Oh God! I'm sure that gave. Uh, I'm sure seeing Count Orlock would have um, given people nightmares for years. 
Like exactly. that's a really, really unsettling image. There, there's also another one of the granddaddies. So yeah, there's Rosemary's Baby, but there's The Exorcist, and The Exorcist I think deserves its place. It that does. movie is scary as hell. Maybe t- not to today's modern audiences. You know, people who go to see Saw movies and stuff, they're gonna go, "Oh, this is just this is exactly what you said Rosemary's Baby was. It's slow and plodding." No, The Exorcist. There's a big difference between an artist like William Friedkin and a hack like Roman Polanski. Mm-hmm. Friedkin kept ramping up the tension with with a few explosions here and there, kind of release things and then ramp the tension back up. Oh, absolutely. I actually think I actually think with The Exorcist, all of the parodies of it that came out really hurt it in pop culture because there are yeah. people who are now who have now seen a dozen parodies of The Exorcist. You know, this with the levitating bed and the vomit and everything. They've seen that so many times in sitcoms or Saturday Night Live that when you see the original, it's lost all its punch. I still think if you watch The Exorcist for what it is, it is one of the scariest movies ever. I, I think the, the Exorcist still really holds up and it has a, um, it has a level of tension all throughout the film that does continuously get ramped up until you have that like final 20, 25 minutes of just, just downright crazy ape shit demonic stuff. It even has an entertaining sequel and I would, I would be even willing to say that it's, it's an example of a franchise where the third film is the best one. I've always oh, loved without the, a doubt. the Exorcist third one is my three. favorite out of that whole series and it's, it's proof that the third movie isn't always going to be the worst one. It could, it could very well be the best one in the franchise. Oh, cause Exorcist 2, I, I'm really weird on Exorcist 2. Now people want us to do an Exorcist retrospective and maybe we will later. This year, Exorcist 2, I'm weird on. It's a bad movie. And mm. the story is incomprehensible. The characters are ridiculous. The acting is so over the top, it's borderline parody. But it mm. is also one of the most beautiful films of the 70s. I cannot believe how amazing this movie looks. The cinematography, the lighting, the camera angles, the edits. The movie is so gorgeous, Peter. It's mm, just it looks so great. bad. It's really like, um, I would go as far as to say it's, it's almost like an experimental psychedelic film. Almost. Like it it yeah. doesn't feel like a, it doesn't feel like a conventional movie. And then, and then you got the third movie, which I agree with you is the best, not only in the franchise. Okay, it barely qualifies as 90s because it was really early 1990, but might be one of the most effective thrillers. Cause it's, mm-hmm. a, I mean, there are, there is a supernatural angle to it, but that's, actually downplayed quite a bit. Exorcist, it is, yeah. Exorcist 3, the, and I've said this so many times, it's become a running joke, has one of the most earned and legitimate jump scares in movie history. That hallway scene is just, no, it takes a master filmmaker to make that and make it work. Cause Blatty, oh, it's amazing. Blatty does everything you wouldn't think would work to make mm-hmm. that scene work. Long, uncut shot, distant shot down a hallway. And every time you think something's going to happen, because you can see the security guard get up and, oh, something's going to, oh, no, nothing happened. The nurse gets up, oh, no, don't, oh, no, nothing happened. And it just sits there for like three and a half minutes. And then when it finally happens, you were not expecting it. That is filmmaking. It's definitely the way to do it. And it's, um, what I think really worked about the third one is it went, it went a little bit back to basics to the, to the first one. There was more mood. There was more like raw dread. And uh, tension throughout the film, and and when it needed to, when it needed to freak you out, it did. 
and Brad Dourif is fantastic. Oh my God, he's, with Jason he steals, he's, he steals the film. And to think he wasn't in the original cut. Oh no, man. Because initially, when Blatty turned in his version, they thought Jason Miller was kind of dull as the Gemini killer. So they forced Brad Dourif onto Blatty. And then look at how amazing that... I guess this is one of those times when studio notes paid off. But then there are other parts of the movie that they edited to hell and wrecked. So there, they counteracted themselves right there. I didn't even know that uh, Dourif wasn't originally meant to be in the movie. Like, it's seamless. Oh, no, it is seamless. But Dourif was not meant to be in this movie he was he was reshoots well what about when a devil movie gets a little ridiculous like end of days oh i was just about to bring that up (laughs) come on we had to choir boy compared to me a choir boy (laughs) i remember the guns and roses song and everything yeah (laughs) or i I don't care what anybody says i love end of days who plays the uh i know the actor he was in like usual suspects and stuff like that but who who plays satan in that one what's the actor's name that's gabriel byrne gabriel byrne yes i for some reason i i had his name on the tip of my tongue but i couldn't remember he is awesome in that movie like he really has the the right vibe as like the devil like he's perfect Let's go back to Bava and let's go to the Italians. What about 1960s Black Sunday with Barbara Steele? Oh, Black Sunday is amazing. I, I remember that movie, that and Horror Hotel. God, did I love the cinematography in those movies. Mm. I, I, I mean, I remember actually seeing clips of those from like Iron Maiden music videos on MTV. And I was like, I have to find this movie. Just going back to Black Sunday, I mean, that I think I would consider that one of the quintessential cult, demonic, devil type movies. It has such a such an amazing vibe to it. Like, it, it really is just an, an experience of, of atmosphere um, in and of itself. Just just visually, it's gorgeous. Gorgeous in a, in a really creepy, scary way, but but gorgeous. I, I've been seeing some lists of Devil devil Demon movies, and I'm not 100% sure I would include Crow franchise in that. No. But I've seen a lot of them include the Crow because he comes back from the dead. And it's like, I mean, I guess you could say he's a demon, kind not of? Actually, he's more of, it's, it's more like spirit of vengeance kind of thing. Like, like Spawn you could definitely include as devil demon stuff like there's literally yes. a devil in it like malbolgia is like kind of meant to be satan um there's a lot of demonic uh ritualistic satanic p- possession dark powers and shit like that like spawn as as um a bit of a cluster as the the 90s movie is it's it's definitely it definitely falls in the the devil movie category whereas the crow the crow I would consider more kind of kind of gothic grungy spirit of spirit of vengeance type thing like revenge movie it doesn't really have much to do with with devils or cults or anything like that I mean sure they they say things like devil's night in reference to Halloween but it's it's not really a satanic movie the second film maybe a little bit more a little more yeah they they add in some more um that was city of angels right that was the second yeah, one yeah i think they do add in some more kind of demonic elements to it but the first one i think is just just a straight up uh, gothic revenge movie what about have you ever seen the awesome 1971 lq jones flick brotherhood of satan i think i've seen i've seen some of that yeah 
I would need to go back and, and uh, revisit it because I only remember it vaguely. But yeah, I've, I've seen uh, I've seen that one. Yeah. What about the awesome 1981 Clint Howard evil speak with the satanic computer? Oh God! <laughs> oh, of course the 80s had to infuse uh, devils and computers. Well, I mean, technically the Prince of Darkness kind of did that. It was it was Satan for the for the computer age, just like uh, Halloween Three was Halloween. I was for just going to bring age. that up. I, I don't know if Halloween Three would count as a devil demon movie. I mean, sort of. Somewhat. They're androids, though, so. They're androids, but it it is also very much, um, tapping into the old, old, like very much old world Sawin festival stuff, which, which had a lot to, at least in the movie it portrayed it as, as very, very satanic and cult-like and ritualistic and sacrificing children and all this stuff. I, I would consider that one to be pretty, Pretty satanic and pretty, at least cult, cult-like. I, I think it would fall into that, into that category. Just, just in the, in the fact that it goes in, into the very traditional style that, that Halloween originally was back in the, back in the pagan days. Well then, what about Halloween 6 with the thorn cult and everything? The cult, by definition, would be sure. a devil demon. Why not? I mean, most people hate that movie. I mean, I, I honestly like it. I even like the theatrical cut of it. I, I guess, I mean, the Thorn Cult has been in, uh, involved with Michael Myers since I think like the fifth movie. Um, hey, actually, no, they, they weren't called the Thorn Cult then. They, they weren't called, called yeah, but we, no, we had little references to the, the man in black and, and the- No, I mean, I'm talking even before that. The novelization of the original has a prologue that sets him up as a demon. The original movie, the first Halloween? Yeah, the novelization of the original Halloween well, actually I mean, already goes back to that. Interpret Michael Myers as a character, like especially in the first two movies, where there's almost no motivation for him to be killing anybody other than the fact that he just wants to kill his family, which was more explained more in the second film. But in, in the first one, like he really does it completely randomly. He sits silently in in his cell, and you have Loomis talking about the the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. He has no emotions. He's not human. So. There is this vibe that he could be there's there's possession involved that it's like a, a malevolent evil spirit that's that's like controlling him and I've always liked that idea I've, I've liked the idea that Michael Myers could could just be like a, a demon or something like like maybe he was even born that way he's always been a demon since childhood or something and it's just been waiting to be unleashed it's it's a hell of a lot better than him being a redneck that gets bullied and kills for mommy and rips off Jason and Leatherface. You Rob Zombie. Non-Christian devil demon movies, because the bulk of these are all from a Judeo-Christian point of view. Oh, lots of them, yeah. What about ones that aren't Christian, like voodoo movies? Mm. Voodoo movies, I think, would count. I mean, I, I you know, like, I, I, Child's Play is a voodoo movie. <laughs> technically, it is, but I mean, I, I look at like like the Serpent and the Rainbow. That one I don't really consider demonic. That's more, zo- I mean, it, it's not zombies in the traditional sense, but zombie-ish. Whereas I look at something like Angel Heart. That's hmm. a devil demon. Oh my god. I, I, I was actually, um, I was gonna bring that one up later, but yeah, that's, that's one of my all-time favorites. I'd say probably my top three in like favorite devil type movies. That is, that movie is just unsettling from, from start to finish. It's so good. It's so, anybody that hasn't seen it, this is an incredibly underrated performance from, uh, Mickey Rourke. And of course, uh, De Niro shows up more as a, more as like a special guest, but it's, it's brilliant. Like that is easily one of the creepiest, I would call it devil. I mean, I think 
not to spoil anything. I think it is. Ah, fuck it. I'm not going to say it. It is a spoiler, but I think it, it has to do with it does allude to a devil presence and um possession stuff and rituals and all sorts of, of creepy things that I, I don't want to tap into too much because I know there's there's a lot of people that haven't seen Angel Heart and it's a goddamn shame and more people should see it because it's it's phenomenal. What about, and now this is from a Judeo-Christian point of view, what about something that really re-examines what a devil or a demon is? Dogma. I like I mean, dogma. Dogma's no, like, I, I, I like dogma a lot. Dogma is really fun. And, and to me, dogma was the last Kevin Smith movie that felt like a Kevin Smith movie. I would, I would argue that uh, Clerks Two was really good, but I'll, I'll give you this one. You know, Jason Lee plays a really fun Ezreal. He does. I what I love about it. Dogma is that it it has elements of where it doesn't take itself seriously, but it has a lot of elements where it completely takes the source material dead seriously. Like it it isn't like uh my my girlfriend was apprehensive to watch it with me at first because she thought it was going to be like as she quoted a cringy atheist movie, and I was like, no, it's absolutely not that at all. It completely embraces religion and demon stuff and bible stuff and everything it it doesn't lampoon anything it doesn't shit on christians it doesn't shit on atheists it just it takes the plot and it runs with it and there's a lot of funny elements to it as well but there's a lot of really like genuine moments too which is what I really like about it. It's it's a good example of kind of doing more of a of a comedic lampoony approach as as opposed to the the little nickies of the world. But then with dogma you've also got, you know, obviously the Catholic Church really took the movie wrong. Oh, they did. To me the movie it does kind of crap on some things that needed to be. Like Cardinal well, of course. Blake, George it's, Carlin's it's a character. It's going to crap on something. Well, I mean George Carlin's character is pretty much a heavy indictment of how myopic and money-centered the Catholic Church has become. You well, know, well the, church the people in, in, in the general. church. I mean, I mean that's not uh that's not any any surprise or any secret that a, a lot of churches, in fact, maybe even all churches, are are total like monopolies. And I also want to point out he is totally right. By having the angels sentenced to Milwaukee as purgatory. If you've ever been to <laughs> Milwaukee, yeah, he got that dead on. <laughs> Sorry, I hate Milwaukee. That that whole oh, city sucks. God. It's the armpit of Wisconsin. <laughs> no, no, dog dogma's great. Dogma is certainly not dog shit. No, I, I I loved Dogma. I saw it in the theater. I absolutely loved that one. Do you remember the direct-to-video series, The Unholy? They only had two, but you remember Ben Cross as... I can't remember if it had been, you know, 20 years since I've seen him. I can't remember if he was just a demon or if he was the devil. Oh, God, no, I don't even know what that is. What's that one about? A, a demon tempting people. Or, how about this? 976 Evil. Oh. Would that count? Yeah, I think it would. I think that one that one could count, sure. We have to explain what 976 was. See, back in the early 90s and late 80s, 976 was the numbers like, you know, where you would pay by the minute to talk to, like, women and stuff. So 976 mm. Evil and its sequel are kind of 
what if the devil ran a pay phone line? They're, they're better <laughs> than that, but really, when you say it out loud, it doesn't sound so great anymore, does it? No, it sounds a bit ridiculous. Yeah, I, I probably undercut my own argument a little there. <laughs> but l- let's look at why. Why are people drawn to these movies? Again, we talked about like from the 70s and early 80s, it was a pushback against the moral majority and the morning in America, blah, blah, blah. Why after that, though? So many in the 90s, and there was, God, every year there's a dozen more Devil Demon movies that are coming out. Why so much now? What is the draw of these to the psychology of the viewer? I think it's just timeless. It's it's a timeless idea, premise. I mean, I think religion is always going to be rooted in uh, in society as long as as long as you have atheists arguing with Christians or Catholics or whatever about who's right or who's wrong and somebody preaching this or preaching that. You're always going to have a relevance. Movies with religious uh, undertones or movies with satanic undertones. I think it's something that's always going to be relevant in our culture. So it's always going to be relevant in in media particularly movies and obviously comic books as well because you have characters like john constantine you have characters like spawn that are still relevant to this day that people are still reading that people are still interested in we're going to have another spawn movie soon um so i, I imagine there's going to be spin-offs of that as well and you have as you said there's there's devil demon culty type movies coming out like all the time i think uh hereditary is one of the most recent ones that one's got a touch of of culty demon type stuff in it i I just think it's always going to be relevant because it's something that's so deeply ingrained in in human culture like like with with the pagan stuff and the crusades and catholicism and christianity and satanism and all of this stuff it's it's almost it's part of our heritage as as human beings and we didn't even get into the christian scare ones where <laughs> like like years of the beast where no this was made in 82 so this wasn't like an obama thing but mm. the president is the antichrist and he takes away all of your guns and starts to institute martial law as a way to get ready to bring hell on earth we didn't even <laughs> get into shit like that pete oh god and, you know, that was made by a church. We, we also need to look at how these films do work. Because we just kind of explained a little why they work, but why do they work? When, when an effective movie, and obviously these, these things change with the times. You know, like you look at a 70s Satan movie. I'm not talking the hairstyles and stuff, but it's, it's a 70s interpretation of Satan or Satanists. An 80s version, the same thing. Nowadays, when you look at The Conjurings and Last Exorcism and all this, they rarely ever use the devil anymore, don't they? They use the, the vague, hazy demon or demonic term and i think that actually or they pull out they pull out some old um some old name of like uh one of the not not necessarily lesser demons but another demon that's like close to satan or that worked with satan or was like in league with him or whatever i think it's just because satan himself is very played out and it, that's been used in so many things so you might as well come up with something new or use something else from from religious teachings and and stuff like that i mean kind of what they did with with spawn like you know, it, it wasn't Satan, it was Malbolgia, which is kind of meant to be Satan, but he's this other underworld ruler type thing. But I just think it's sort of disingenuous that most of the modern ones, it's not 
it's not Satan, it's not the devil, it's a demon, a devil. It's almost like they're afraid to commit to a bit, you know? There's nothing, I don't, I don't necessarily think that's why they're doing it. I think they're just trying not to be played out. Like I think because so many movies are Satan this and Lucifer and all this stuff. It, it kind of is oversaturated. Like maybe they're just trying to show another demon, like showing that Satan isn't the, the be all end all. Maybe there's, there's other ones that, that people are, are worshiping and, and stuff like that. And see, something like The Exorcist actually hit on that, and they did it in 1970 goddamn 3. Remember? Well, yeah, that wasn't, um, that wasn't technically Satan that Reagan yeah, was possessed yes, by. It was. It was. Like yes, it was. Was it actually Satan? Yes, because that was the point. Father Marin didn't. He just thought this was, I mean, I guess routine might be a weird word, but a routine demon. And he's, that's when he realized, remember about halfway through the movie, how deep of shit that they're in. This oh, is not that's a right. demon. This, per, this demon is claiming to be the devil. Himself who wanted Reagan's soul. But there's also, there's people who speculate that it was, uh, that the demon was like lying, that it was another one. They actually tackled this back in 1973. You look at like the Conjuring movies, and we'll leave out the fact that the Warrens are frauds and these movies being sold as based on true stories are completely fraudulent because mm. the Warrens are fucking hacks who lied about everything. But, <laughs> but just take the movies as themselves. These are pretty pathetic demons, really. These yeah. are some weak, low-end shit. This is like Clive Barker yattering and Jack stuff, where the yattering, <laughs> you know, is this pathetic little thing. And by the way, I just want to point out that, that story by Clive Barker. My God, that is a brilliant story. Which I don't know one? if anyone's ever, the yattering and Jack. Mm, I never read, never read that one. You, you need to. Don't watch the Tales from the Dark Side because while it is relatively accurate, they definitely did not have the budget to make this episode, ah. to make this story work. Read the story of the Yattering and Jack and the Yattering is a super, it's like an entry level demon position. Mm. And that's, that's our villain. And that's what I think like the Conjuring movies. It's like, why did you possess a doll? Because the doll can't do much. <laughs> it seems like you, you kind of cut your own tendons as soon as you got there, you know? It's true. They are kind of pathetic. They're, they're more like, they're more trolls than uh, super demons. Whereas, like, go back to Constantine. Even the low-level demons, because remember, when he was trying to get the demon out of that Mexican girl with the mirror, that was a low-level demon. And that thing was pretty goddamn powerful. And that was entry-level position stuff. You know, <laughs> that was like an intern demon. That's when you're like, wow, even the even the low-level ones can really do damage. Absolutely. And that's what I like. I don't know, the Conjuring movies, and maybe this is something that the producers are trying to do, they make demons kind of pathetic. And it's like, <laughs> okay, I, un I understand that on a religious level you want to say that, you know, good is better than evil, but at the same time, you know from how many action movies, when you don't have a good villain, it doesn't make the hero look better when he overcomes something lame. Well, you need the villain to be a real challenge. You need somebody, somebody or something that really pushes the, the hero to, to his, uh, or her limits, um, by the end of the film that you, you see them battered and bloodied and bruised and they still manage to find a way to, to overcome the odds and win in the end. That's what makes a, a hero look strong. It, it doesn't make them look strong when they, when they beat up somebody lesser than them. Exactly. And, and that's why I think the modern devil movies just don't seem to have the same edge. Yeah, they might have more gore and they might have weird jump scares that don't make sense, but they don't have the same edge that the 70s some, and some 80s do, ones. Some yeah. do and some don't. I feel like, um, I feel like the insidious movies did a good 
Good job. I never the made Devils it past in that the first one, one felt pretty pretty substantial or demons I, whatever they are. I never made it past the first Insidious. No, I I like it. I like the first Insidious. I I found it pretty creepy. Do you think you? I mean, I'm an atheist. You're an atheist. It's I just, wouldn't say atheist. Are you an agnostic? I am. I am spiritual. I believe that there is something, but I'm not going to say it's an old guy with a beard or a red guy with horns. But I feel like there's something greater than us out there. So I don't know if that's agnostic or what, but I wouldn't say atheist, but I wouldn't say Christian either. Because you imbibe spirits doesn't make you spiritual. Well, I think there's something. I think there is a, there, there could be a god and there could be a devil, but I'm, I don't think it's what's written about. And see, I am a, complete atheist there isn't anything which maybe is why i like devil demon movies so much they are pure science fiction to me it's the mm. same it's the same way of i mean i'm sure there are aliens somewhere in the universe but you know like an alien invasion like a an alien abduction movie creeps me out so much because i know it can't really happen but it's still fucking scary well yeah like with with like fire in the sky and stuff like that exactly like, and that's incredibly I, terrifying. It is. And I think that's the same reason, even as an atheist, I love these demon movies. There, there's one, have you seen Anti-Birth? It's a, like a two-year-old movie. It's been out for two years? Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think I have, no. It stars Natasha Lyonne. Through the bulk of the movie, maybe the first three quarters, it's like a Rosemary's Baby kind of thing. You know, she's pregnant, mm. she doesn't know how, all this weird shit's happening, and... It's actually science fiction. It's a, it's an alien from another dimension using her body as a gateway and some really bad stuff happens, but oh. it's actually a sci-fi movie in the final quarter and you went, okay, I didn't see that. That actually coming. sounds, uh, that sounds great. It's not bad. Anti it's, 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 uh, premise wise, it actually sounds, yeah, very interesting. You know, and, and I think it's a good title too, Anti-Birth. Yeah. It's a good title. But so, what what would you say as your final thoughts to get people to say to people about Devil Demon movies? I don't know. They're just they're they have a quality to them that that draws me in for whatever reason. I, I think uh, it's it's because it's something that's so rooted in our culture and something that's been around for so long, and it's it's interesting to see all of these different adaptations of what a demon might be or what the devil might be or what cults or satanism might be or what religious what religion would be if it were if it actually came into the the grounds of our reality i think it's it's just something that's very interesting to see so many different versions of it one we we didn't talk about what was that one with Paul Bettany that's basically Terminator, but with angels and demons and shit. I mean, because we did a whole retrospective, there's also all of the Wishmaster movies. I would say, I would say a Dijin is definitely a demon. Legion. Legion, I think is what it's called. Oh, I remember. Yeah, Cecil really liked that one. I like it too. It's an, it's, it's an interesting I it idea. Was a, it, it, it's, it's essentially taking, um, religion, religion, but putting it as a premise of the, uh, of the Terminator. See, I remember when I watched that one, I said, you know, even though it has a theatrical look, I said, this feels like four TV pilots all jammed into a movie. Cause the I whole movie it, was set up, set up, set up, and then, you know, there, a quick payoff that's unsatisfying. Set up, set up, set up. Quick payoff that's on, it, it felt like, like four pilots that were all jammed together and they said, just, just finish them all off, you know, it's a movie. <laughs>
That that's what it felt like to me. I liked it. I thought it was fun. I but didn't think it, I I, it, I didn't it didn't feel like amazing or anything. It just felt like like a fun sort of campy movie to watch. Like to me, I I equate it with something like End of Days. Cecil will be back next week. And see, the reason I didn't bring it up at the beginning is because what I love is with Cecil not being here this week, he had something last minute come up the day before we were going to record this. Everyone's going to think Cecil has quit the show because he's finally had enough of me. And I love, I love the fact that, you know, they read conspiracy theories into the fact that he had something with his son come up. It's, so, I can't believe we, we have radio drone conspiracy theories. It's amazing. Hey, when, when Brad <laughs> left, Brad and I, both put out a public statement which basically said the same thing and everyone's like oh they're lying it's really this it's really it's like oh is it now <laughs> it's like well that's news to me and to brad so cecil will be back next week in the meantime where can people find the peter uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cinematica, on Facebook, the Cinematicist, YouTube, the Cinematicist, on uh, 1201beyond.com, and on Patreon at Cinematica. You're not going to do it, but you should give me money. Well, you can do that to me as well for, you know, over at Patreon, or the site is 1201beyond.com. You can contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Have a devilish night, and if you do get the devil inside you, you know, remember what happened to Reagan. Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night.
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.